Hello, Mr. Police. We gave you all the clues. And you're listening to the Dare Daniel Podcast, where you send us your most sadistic movie dares, and we suffer those consequences for your amusement. I'm Corky McDonald, local comedian and enthusiast of Harry Holes, and with me as always is Daniel Barnes, the film critic for the Sacramento News and Review, and a member of the San Francisco Film Critics Circle. Hi everyone, as Corky said, on this show we do your dirty work by watching the most unwatchable movies you can imagine. And then we review and rate them on our unique system. A run-of-the-mill bad film is rated a dare. That's just your everyday bad movie. We give a double dare to those truly atrocious movies. That Those are your alohas. And we reserve the reverse dare for those despised movies that are actually pretty good. Daniel also writes a craft beer column for the Sacramento Bee. So, Daniel, why don't you tell us a little bit about the beer you've poured for us tonight? Corky, this beer is called Prairie Flare. This is a Gosa uh, brewed by Krebs Brewing Company out of Krebs, Oklahoma. Gosa Ale is a style that originated in Germany. It's a light, tart wheat ale. Usually includes some coriander and a little salt. White head, a nice smell of citrus. Very tart in the smell, nice and tart on the tongue as well. A little bit of coriander on the finish. A very refreshing beer. It's unlike any beer I've ever had. I've never had a Gosa. It's briny. Yeah. At any rate, this beer certainly goes down smoother than this week's film, Tomas Alfredson's The Snowman. More like the snowman. More like the blowman. What? Are you kidding? <laughs> Same joke. Fucking nailed it. I didn't even hear it. I never heard it. I was like, the snowman. The, more like the blow man. I ah. worked way too hard on that. No, don't ever think it. Just if, it, if there's a O sound in there, blow. <laughs> Based on a popular series of detective novels by Norwegian author Joe Nesbo, the snowman was originally developed as a project for Martin Scorsese, who is still credited on the film as an executive producer. Instead of Scorsese, the snowman was finally made by Tomas Alfredson, who previously made Let the Right One In and Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. It stars Michael Fassbender as alcoholic detective Harry Hole, TMI, who gets tasked with finding a snowman-obsessed serial killer on the loose. And the strong supporting cast includes Rebecca Ferguson, Charlotte Gainsbourg, J.K. Simmons, Val Kilmer, and Chloe Sevigny. And with all those talented names filling the credit, that fantastic cast, the director of Let the Right One In, the involvement of Scorsese, you figure he's probably not going to waste his time on things, I mean, even if he did ultimately pass on the project. And even his longtime uh, editor, Thelma Schoonmaker, has an editing credit on this film. So, you know, with all of those elements in place, there was every reason to expect that The Snowman would be good, if not great. However, the film received absolutely poisonous reviews. It got a 7 on Rotten Tomatoes, and a 23 on Metacritic. That's about as low as you can get That's with those, awful. those two metrics. Uh, when it opened in 1,800-plus theaters on October 20th, 2017, it only grossed $6.7 and the movie was essentially gone from theaters after two or three weeks. It did a little better overseas where there's uh, more familiarity with the Harry Hole character. Right. So, Corky, this movie only came out You know, when we're recording this. It only came about three months ago. One of the goals of this podcast is to rescue and rehabilitate the reputations of unfairly maligned movies. Do you feel like The Snowman has something where it deserves to be preserved in ice, or should we just let it melt away? This movie deserves to be stalked and ritualistically murdered. Wow. Cut into pieces. Just cut into pieces. And then hidden. And don't give any clues about where to find it. This movie is Something awful. about the Winter no. Olympics. Yeah, you know, put this movie on ice, put it away, let it melt. Any kind of snow metaphor you want to use. <laughs> no, this is not a good movie. No, it's not the next Frosty. 
one thing we should talk about, we'll, we'll just bring it up right away. The director came out and said that the production was so rushed that 10 to 15% of the script, the shooting script, was not shot, was simply not shot, and that they went back into the editing room and were sort of like, oh, crap, these things are needed to kind of suture this scene, to, to explain why this person is here and explain why this person is with this person to explain why anything is, you know, all of this connective tissue. So Tomas Alfredson actually said, this is talking about the editing process, it's like when you're making a big jigsaw puzzle and a few pieces are missing so you don't see the whole picture. Which is amazing because that's exactly the metaphor used by Harry Hole in this movie to explain the mystery that makes no sense, which is that you're trying to force the pieces to fit. And here they are in the editing room trying to force the pieces to fit, and they can't fit. Now, I know because I read this, you know, and it was a big thing when it came out that 10 to 15 percent of the movie wasn't shot. I think I could have guessed that without (laughs) that information in my hand. I could have guessed that this movie, they didn't shoot 10 to 15 percent of it because things, basic things just do not add up. And even worse than that, it is extremely dreary in the telling. You know what I mean? It's like you think of a movie like The Big Sleep by Howard Hawks, like, you know, it's this film noir with Bogart and Bacall, and very famously, there's a murder in the film, and even the director couldn't tell you exactly who did the murder. But you know what? It doesn't matter there, no. because the story is told with such panache, and it has really exciting and vibrant stars. There is not a single memorable line of dialogue in this entire movie. Anything that's memorable is memorable for the wrong reasons. Yeah, it, it, it just... The performances are really drab. Yeah. Scenes don't cut together within the scene, and they don't cut together from scene to scene. It was 20 minutes in before there was a scene where I was like, this scene actually makes sense of itself. Like, there's there's actually characters having integrity in the scene. Yes, exactly. To extend the jigsaw puzzle metaphor, it's like they got pieces from several different jigsaw puzzles, more successful, easier to decipher jigsaw puzzles, right. and then tried to shoehorn those together, but ended up lopping off pieces of those. Yeah, exactly. It just it doesn't work at all. Yeah, it, it it's it, again you would you would be able to know that this movie had issues during the shooting, like with that. And it's not just that like pieces are missing; it's that like there's a lot of wasted space in the story. Yeah the characters do not connect with each other in a way that they should. And so there's really no emotional payoffs to what's happening and we'll get into it. But what in the freaking hell is even the motivation of the killer? And if where it eventually lands up JK Simmons. Okay. What even the hell? No, it's a whole thing where it's like a completely, completely wasted piece of story. We open in a shack in secluded Norway Isolation is is aptly set up in this because they're in the middle of nowhere. We have these long sweeping helicopter shots over nothingness, and then there's this isolated little cabin in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. There's a boy who hurriedly tells his mom, Uncle Jonas is here, Uncle Jonas is here. And we realize that Uncle Jonas is a horrible, horrible man. Yeah. Who is testing the little boy on his Oslo Norway history, Norwegian history. Specific dates of history, too. I mean, come on, it's not even useful history, really. No, I it's, mean, it's critical for, thinking going It's on really there. just a tool for the just for him to abuse the to child. To beat the mom and, yeah. for every wrong answer that What the boy we also gets. see as he pulls up that Jonas is a policeman. He's a policeman. He's driving a police car. Then there's the young boy, and then there's the mother, and there's coffee beans. There's coffee beans. They're playing with coffee beans. This is foreshadowing. So without knowing anything about this source material, I knew. Okay, we're seeing the killer's origin story right, right here. Yeah. Plus, 
it's ominous for no reason. We have no yeah. reason to feel ominous about this setup. As you go through the whole movie, it does like the basic instinct thing where like every single person who walks into the room could be the killer. Uh, yeah. And they get introduced as though they might be the killer. And yeah. there's these oblique shots of them, you know, their feet walking into the room and the music starts to dun, 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 you know, it starts to build. And it's like nonstop. No. Every new character gets introduced. Like they're the killer. So yeah. He goes so up, he's he's quizzing the kid and then beating him every time he gets a beating, wrong, the, beating mom. the mom every time he gets a wrong answer. Right. He goes upstairs with the mom. The kid goes outstairs. I want to make a underline this. He goes out to make a snowman. Makes a snowman. Okay. Remember that. <laughs> Remember snowmen. This is gonna come up. If the title didn't give it away, <laughs> this is... this kid making snowman while his abuser, who you find out is his dad. Yeah. You don't see any of this, but you, it's it's known when the little kid spies in the room, the uh, the man is laying satisfied. She's laying just kind of stunned and dazed. Yeah. And she says, she sees the boy looking and she says, I'm going to tell him it's your kid. Yeah. So he overhears this. The kid overhears this. And then Jonas kind of freaks out and says, all right, then I'm just not ever coming back here again. He drives away. She chases after him in the car. And loses him along the way, I guess. It, this is, movie is cuts. It, it, every cut takes you like the 10 minutes. space does not make. No. Like they both go into this like a cartoon thing where like they both go into a tunnel and like only one of them emerges. He's, he, <laughs> run, he runs out to his car, gets in, and then all of a sudden she's dressed and so is the little boy. Yeah. And then they're in the car. Time and space is utterly, I mean, like it's matrixy. I mean, it's fucking out there, man. It, it turns into a suicide attempt, a, a successful, it turns out, suicide yeah, attempt. she drives out onto the ice. So Jonas has gotten away, yep. which I guess, I, mean, I don't know why she's suicidal. Isn't that, I mean, it seems like that's a good thing that, I, well, whatever. Yeah. This movie's awful. Yeah. So yeah, she's she's she decides to drive out onto the ice. With her son in the car. With her son in the car, it starts falling into the ice. He gets out and tries to pull her out. Somehow the car falls into the ice, and even though he's right next to it, yeah nothing happens to him like he's just standing like there's like a two-ton car that like breaks through the ice right next to him and nothing happens to him it's just to get the creepy shot of the mom not or being impassive as she retreats into the frozen water Yeah, she's ready to die yeah Yeah. so that's that's your prologue and then we go to the credits and then the the movie tells you all the talented people who have like wasted their time on this movie and then i knew we were in for some rough shit when i saw the screenplay was written by name and name and name you have three different names with an and so none of them like work together none of them work together the whole different script every single time yep i I wasn't familiar with one of the names one of one of the names was the the guy who co-wrote uh tinker taylor soldier spy okay the other was hussein amini who is uh Wings of the Dove and Adapted Drive sure. and is like kind of a, a big uh, Hollywood sort of script doctor type. Sure. So, yeah, they brought on like some some big guns yeah. to kind of work on this thing. And like I said, I mean, it was originally planned for Martin Scorsese. So you kind of imagine like – and Thomas Alfredson. He's so not bad. Let the Right One In was 2008. Tinker Taylor was 2011. Both good movies. And this was 2017. So he's you think, here's a guy who really takes his time. <laughs> <laughs> And like really measures out like am I do I want to spend years of my life working on this movie who is real you know he's like he's not jumping in half cocked and it's like how in the how do you take seven years to make the snowman yeah credits end and of course the first shot is a detective so it's a bottle of vodka bottle of vodka he's, he's alcoholic he's laying out on the snow he's passed out in a park. he's in a park where children are playing yeah because if you if you have to be a day drunk you have to be a day drunk. In the worst possible conditions. <laughs> so Harry Hole, this is our detective Harry Hole, Michael Fassbender. Yeah. He is 
the bare minimum of detective movie cliches. Oh my god, you know that's what I mean? all he is. Like he's got them all, but that's all he has. And he doesn't there's no like, well let's do a little twist on his alcoholism or let's do a little this will be fun kind of thing to do is you know like some kind of monk sort of twist or something, you know, like there's no twist at all. He's just he's just your basic cynical alcoholic detective who's trying to be a better father. I mean, it's just uh, your cynical alcoholic genius detective. The genius. I just forgot to mention he's a super genius. The force can't do without him. The elite crime squad. He gets back to his apartment, and I thought there was going to be some symbolism to this because there's dry rot in his apartment. There's somebody already in his apartment cleaning it out. You know, so Harry is coming off of like a drunk, right? And this guy is in his apartment because he has like dry rot, and the the landlord has let him in or whatever. And Harry, you know, sees a guy in his apartment and instantly is suspicious. Finds a gun behind like some records. There's like a never mind the bollocks record, right? And he sort of has the gun at his side, not like he's threatening. And the guy turns around and he sort of almost accidentally shoots. He's ready to just fucking kill people. The, like, dry, the dry rot guy is unfazed. The, the man just, has rot, just no. discharged a gun. Now he's seen it, it at him. He's he's got dry rot to deal with. Okay, <laughs> like guy with alcoholic with a gun. No, no, I've seen mold, buddy. <laughs> this is black mold we're dealing with, pal. And then this is when I realized this movie is one of those fucking movies where everybody speaks with a British accent to signify that they're speaking another language. Yeah. So we're in Oslo, and then you have people who speak, like this guy speaks Cockney uh-huh. to signify he's lower class Norwegian. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Some people are flat British. Yeah, There's yeah. an American, and then J.K. Simmons is doing like a Norwegian accent <laughs> yeah, right. with English. Yeah. So yeah, he uh, kicked out of his apartment. So he goes to stare at his ex-wife. More cliches. A yeah. More cliches. He's he's let somebody down. Yeah, estranged wife. Uh, his adopt estranged adopted son Oleg. Yeah. Uh, the wife is played. The ex-wife is played by Charlotte Gainsbourg. Another fantastic actress. Great actress. Um, he goes and stares at her while she's trying to sell art, and she stops what she's doing and stares right back at him yeah. for a long time. Yeah, and the I imagine the pacing in the, every scene is so odd. The people trying to buy the thing are like, "What's going on?" <laughs> they do. They, she says that you scared him away. <laughs> when she sees him next, she's like, "Well, you scared those people away." It's like, yeah, I mean, that's that can't be good for, good for business. <laughs> We show up at his job. He was staring at her like Bradley Cooper is staring at a 12-year-old doing the Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I would have loved if those art patrons figured out they were there, his daughter. Um, we're at his job. He's getting trained in the plot device technology, the Linksys yeah. system, that every 24 hours will update all information to a central database. So this is kind of tells us. Script revision three. And they so, do a whole thing of like, here's how you log into it. Yeah. And you really need to put your finger on it and really press your finger on it. Because so much of the movie depends on this device, this exactly. technology. Yeah. He's been missing a lot of work. His mail is getting delivered there. His boss is one of those begrudging genius detective bosses where, damn it, I can't keep covering for you. But I respect the hell out of your brilliance. In his mail, he finds a letter Dear Mr. Police, that's yeah. right. And there's a picture of a snowman, and it lets him know he's being watched. Yeah. When your movie is more known for the meme it spawned than the Because <laughs> I tell people we watch The Snowman, they're like, I've never heard of that movie. But they've seen the meme, They know, you know? the Dear Mr. Police thing, yeah. Not a good sign. No, that's a bad sign. Uh, one thing I wanted to mention, actually, before sure. we get into this. Um, so right before we, we get into the real actual plot of the movie, we're still introducing Harry. Uh, as he's leaving work, this is actually like... To me, this was like the one really, really good shot in the movie, mm. which is he's leaving work. He passes by a bar 
And, you know, of course, we've established he's an alcoholic. He passes out in the middle of the playgrounds and shit. He looks at the bar. He's looking at his reflection in the mirror. He's just seeing and hearing all these people kind of going crazy in the bar. And the camera sort of starts to pan over to the left, and it's panning and panning. And then it sort of merges with this other shot where now Harry is laying outside the bar. So it just goes in one side. So you see him on one side, and then it pans, and then you see him outside the bar now just drunk and passed out again. So it's like this beautiful, like, one moment of temptation and bam there he is passed out on the concrete in the snow again yeah the plotting boring way it told us that he's a degenerate alcoholic was told in that one sequence very very well and yeah exactly yeah. so much better than close-up of a vodka bottle to introduce him and then have four people tell him hey you're a drunk right exactly. <laughs> it's a much more elegant way to do it in five seconds first victim she's a woman walking alone outside of a school there's a snowman and we follow her as she drives home. A car is following car follows her. her. This is whole. The killer has a whole cat and mouse thing. You know, he's taunting the police. He's throwing snowballs at his intended victims. So he follows her home back to her house. Uh, she goes inside. Uh, there's a little girl there. And then somebody's coming in the room, coming in the room. And this is, again, like every new person that gets introduced might be the killer, but it's just her husband. No, every every one of these introductions of characters is like, this is supposed to be ominous this and spooky. Is, oh, aren't you freaked out? Like, this could be the guy. But, like, so that kind of ends on sort of a unresolved note, and we go to the next morning. And this is, I think, where he meets Re- Rebecca Ferguson's character. Correct. Who is a younger detective who is following, uh, you know, what she says are some cold cases and stuff. But they, they kind of meet while smoking, and they kind of, she, you know, this is also where you find out he's legendary and that they studied his cases at the Academy. You know, he's like, a, he's a, a legend in the world of the Oslo police. Yeah. He sees in her bag a folder with a tab. The It's the only piece of the folder sticking out that says confidential. She's not a good and, detective. And he says, you know what? I'm going to follow a hunch here. <laughs> I think she might be up to something. He tags along with her while she goes in to talk because this woman is now missing. The daughter woke up alone. Yeah, who, she's she's talking to the the trying to talk to the daughter who's unresponsive and the yeah. husband who is you know not not cooperating. He's out on business right now. He's yeah. not there. He's looking around. He's seeing the the kind of clues that the killer leaves around. Right. So the snowman, which is facing the house, and which I I don't know if I mentioned this already, but literally every time a snowman comes on screen in this movie, and a snowman comes on screen in this movie a lot, there are just scenes where there's random shots of snowman <laughs> inserted into a scene. <laughs> I bust out laughing so much because the snowman just has this like totally nonplus like the kind of grimace like they, emoji on his face and has like stick arms that are sticking straight up. It looks hilarious. It looks like when Calvin used to try to scare his dad yes. <laughs> coming out with the snowman <laughs> horror shows. It's just <laughs> So this is the first scene in the movie that I actually thought was pretty good was when Michael Fassbender interrogates the, the little kid. It shows that he's actually is a good, capable detective. Yeah. He gets down on the little kid's level who won't talk and interrogates her without her knowing she's being interrogated. Yeah, he's about just everything. talking to her and he's kind of connecting with her and the kid opens up and gives him some useful information. And which... I'm like, see, there's a movie that could be here. There could be a movie here. And Michael Fassbender is a capable actor. This little kid, she did really well too. It's wasted right away. I was quickly disabused of any notion of a good movie. Yeah. So while while Rebecca Ferguson, I can't remember her name, but while I'm just going to call her Rebecca Ferguson. Okay. Catherine, Katerina Bratt. So while Rebecca Ferguson is uh, <laughs> snooping around, uh, here is one of one of innumerable scenes in this movie where the editing does not make any sense. Mm. He he is investigating. He looks into her car. He sees this thing about J.K. Simmons' character Arve Stop, who is famous enough to where if he 
is visiting Oslo because of the World Cup. It's front page news. Yeah, he's he the they call it the Winter Cup World Games, which yeah. is obviously supposed to be the Winter Olympics, and he's he's engineering the bid for Oslo to win the Winter Cup World Games. When is the last time anything like that has Winter been World front page, <laughs> top of the headline? Winter Games World Cup. But yeah, he's a super famous guy. So then uh Fossbender kind of sees the all the stuff about RV stop and he kind of looks off in the distance and then we go back <laughs> 9 years earlier here is the problem it is not Michael Fossbender's memory no. it's not Harry Hole's memory he's flashing back to a memory that he does not have no. like this is how clumsy the movie is about like Ooh shit! Did we not explain who Arve Stop is and yeah. what he what he did nine years ago? Crap! Uh, can he have a flashback that uh, doesn't exist in his? I memory? saw this and I'm like, is he a fucking psychometrist like Jeff Goldblum and vibes where he right. can touch something? <laughs> no, he's like he's a mental and <laughs> get all the vibes from yeah, it. He's just, is, is Cindy Lauper going to come out of the back? This movie takes place in the vibes cinematic <laughs> universe. This is what the creators have said, and it's a lot. A lot of the confusion came out of that. Can he touch any bed and be like, oh, people fucked on this. And, <laughs> but yeah, you're right. It cuts to a memory that is not his. Yeah, so it's nine years earlier, and J.K. Simmons. Val this Kilmer. is where Val Kilmer comes in. Yeah. And Val Kilmer, so. I didn't know it was Val Kilmer. I mean, I knew I mean, Val I, Kilmer was supposed to be in it, but I was like, is that Val Kilmer? That's, yeah. I mean, it's upsetting how bad he looks. And I'm, I'm not sure what level that is performance and what level that's I, makeup I think he's had and a what stroke. level it's vo- voice because, like, he just does not look the same. It, oh, it can't be his voice. He, he had to be overdubbed. That, that is not his it's voice. A, it doesn't sound like him, does no, it? I yeah. Want, uh, yeah, it's not his voice. It's just one of those things like he comes on and you're like, damn, are you doing like a like thing? Like, is this a thing? With Val Kilmer, you don't know. Exactly, right? Yeah. right? Like, this very well could be performance choices, you know, uh, yeah. actor choices. No. But he just looks really, he looks really sick and he looks really like kind of withered and. And they, and they never really show him his whole body as he moves. He kind of looks like Sam Shepard, but like Sam Shepard, like in his 80s, you know? Yeah. Pour one out, Val so they 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 kind of tease out that uh, this other detective, you know, who's played by Val Kilmer, uh, has this relationship with Arve Stop, and that Rebecca Ferguson is investigating it for some reason. She re- intimates that this missing woman who has a kid and an unhappy marriage, she believes firmly right away it's tied into several other cases that she's believes is the work of a serial killer. Yeah, and she references. They're mothers. Yeah. That they're in unhappy marriages. Yes. And way to narrow it down. Yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> that could be so much of Oslo. And the one thing she doesn't fucking like, mention snowmen. Them. She doesn't say anything. And there's also these creepy snowmen yeah, no, outside every right, building. Facing the house. No, Nothing no, about that. I don't know if snow has anything to do with The that, one guess. thing you would pick about all these things is there's snowmen with coffee beans in them. She does not pick it's up on totally that. Totally disregards it. Yeah. We see Harry go and visit his ex and meet his ex's new beau. Yeah, Matthias, uh, who is her new her new boyfriend that she's I think she's living with. Doctor um, Good Doc. Yeah, they've been together for a while. He's a doctor. He writes Harry a prescription for something or other. He's the nicest guy. He's a super nice guy. Not to the kids so much, but he loves Harry. Yeah, loves Harry. Super into Harry. Uh, Harry is, is so the kids adopted, um, but Oleg Harry's mm-hmm. son is adopted, um, but they're very estranged. Uh, Harry forgot his birthday, so he's got him concert tickets to make up for it. Um, so this is where this sequence, I think, highlights better than anything else, like how this movie cuts together so poorly uh, as far as moving the plot. 
but also how much wasted space there is in the plot to exi- to, to to begin with. So they're going to this concert, right? There is probably the most complex, what must have been the most complex camera setup in the entire movie, which is this shot of him and his son riding the public transit train kind of down the streets of Oslo. Mm -hmm. And the camera is tracking with the train as it's going. And you kind of see them through the windows of the door. And they're having this conversation, right? It's just like this really complex tracking shot that's actually happening on the streets of Oslo. So it like had to probably shut down traffic. There's a lot of stuff that had to happen for this shot to happen. No information is exchanged. It, it goes on for like three or four minutes, and it's just him being like, hey, go easy on your mom. Yeah. And him being like, hey, you can't tell me what to do. Like, it's just this, it's a totally nothing conversation. And yet, like, for some reason, it has to be in the movie to explain, like, why they suddenly show up at a concert or something. Yeah. Or maybe it was in there because the Oslo city officials demanded that it was in there, that they needed something in there. So then we go to the concert, which is just this horrifying noise, which I don't know if that's just what Norwegian music is. The music like. is the anti-Aloha. It's, it's horrifying. Yeah. It's horrifying. It's just some guy screaming on stage. They're both not into it. He gets a call. Harry Hole gets a call. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he steps out. The kid's like, cool, I'll step out too. <laughs> they go outside. He gets a call from Rebecca Ferguson. There's been another murder. And the, det- the, the husband you know, specifically asked for Harry Hole. I'm going to come get you. It's way out of town. I'm going to come get you in two minutes. And then he has a little two minutes where he talks with his son and says, like, gee, I'm sorry this all didn't work out and, you know, the concert wasn't fun. But, you know, try, try to take it easy on your mom or whatever. You know, it has a little moment with his son. Rebecca Ferguson comes, comes to pick him up and he says, <laughs> he says, take me home. <laughs> we'll go tomorrow. Like, he just had her like she's an Uber or something. She was just like, she was so gung-ho to go that she's like, I'm going to pick you up in two minutes and we are going right now because guess what? There's been a murder. He's just told this poor kid he's supposed to be spending time with, I got to catch a case. Yeah. Sorry. You know the deal. Like, we can't go to this concert anymore. Like, our night's over. And then he's like, take me home. Take me home. We'll see Which you in the morning. Which then cuts to a shot of him in his apartment staring at pictures of the family <laughs> and then looking out the window meaningfully. And then, boom, they're on the road the next morning to go get the killer. There's just so much, like, none of that needed to happen, right? Like, the only thing that matters is we're on the road, new killer. But instead, it has all this stuff of we're going to the concert, then coming out of the concert, then I'm going to pick you up right now and just take you back to your apartment. I feel like... In in this, I feel like there were there were there were reshoots to this movie. It was shot uh, in early 2016, and there were reshoots in in mid mid 2017. And I feel like one of the things that got cut out was that in this in the scene where Rebecca Ferguson picks him up and he orders her to take him home, I think there was a sex scene. I think there was a sex scene between the two of them because their relationship is so confusing and very abrupt in how it ends. Yeah. And there's also a thing later where Charlotte Gainsbourg seduces him. And I feel like that was there, but they just decided, you know what? Fuck. Like, this doesn't make any sense. And these characters are absolutely, like, totally unlikable anyway. So, yeah. He, certainly, he's not going to, like, we're not going to get any mileage out of Harry Hole having sex with his partner right now. Her, for as cliched as he is, she's undefined. She is all over the place. She's yeah. a dogged career girl. She's a damaged woman who's never emotionally developed because her father was killed. Her brilliant father detective was killed. You yeah. find out later. And then she's also kind of a par- good time party gal who kind of is flirtatious. Yeah. Uh, but basically, whatever the scene needs, that's what she's going to be. So the next victim, that the call that they take, turns out to be a missing woman who isn't actually missing. It's Chloe Sevigny mm-hmm. as weird chicken lady out on a farm. 
And they say, this woman's dead. And she's like, nuh-uh, because I'm that woman. I'm that woman. And I'm alive. Look and at the, me dance. And they're like, what's happening? But again, this movie, <laughs> she's got secrets. There's something she's hiding. Yeah. Because of the way she answers questions. And she, they're like, well, why do you think that you know your husband called this in? And she's like, well, I don't know. Like, No one's is like really all that concerned about it. The detectives just like head back out. <laughs> they, they just bounce. <laughs> they just bounce. They're just like, huh, that's crazy. Because, but then like, the weirdest, one of the weirdest scenes is she makes a phone call. Yeah, she makes a panicky phone call. And says, it's not your baby. It was my baby. Yeah. And there's someone walks into the door right behind her in frame yeah. loudly and she, I guess, I thought she knew, but yeah. I guess she didn't know that that person walked in the room. Hangs up the phone, and she's like, hello, who's there? Hello. Quick cuts, quick cuts, zip tie. She's decapitated zip, zip, within zip, yeah. 10 Boom. seconds Takes by this off. weird kind of wire. Yeah, the killer has this sort of thing that he's made himself that is like wire on a sort of retractable gun. So he can pull it out and loop it around people's arms and necks and stuff, and then quickly retract it and snap their limbs right off after he gives them a shot of something that i guess knocks them out yeah he just gives them something to knock him out so the detectives are driving away hole and brat are driving away they get a call and fastbenders but they said it's another call just came in they just came a, in they were, they were sort of like well we already checked that out and it's like no this one just came in fastbenders <laughs> radar goes up he says go back yeah they go back and now chloe seven he's alive no wait it's her twin sister that's who greets them at the door. Yeah. Where's my sister? Which <laughs> is just so confusing how this comes together because it's just like there's nothing about a twin sister. And then all of a sudden, so like you see the killer kind of rip off Chloe Seveny's head and they come back and then Chloe Seveny's there and she's like, oh, and then they're like, oh, well, your twin sister. Like in the book, that was probably four chapters of what is happening. Yeah, right. But in the movie, like, why is this person here? And that it's 10 seconds there. of why did that happen? Boy, you did not need a twin sister. No. You know what I mean? Like it, it, there's nothing there that is like, Oh, twin sister. It's just a thing that's yeah. in the movie. You know? So they get back there, and and Fassbender, this is another thing. I was like, he knew exactly where to go, looks yeah. down this glacier, and there's a snowman down at the bottom with the Chloe Sevigny's decapitated head atop that's it. the top. Which I'm like, how the fuck did the killer do that that's... in that amount of time? Yeah. Get the back out of that glacier. This thing's like 100 feet deep. Yeah. I mean, that was really complicated. And I how mean... did Fassbender know to go there? He wasn't following tracks or anything. He's a genius detective. <laughs> he's hairy hole. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's a very labor intensive process. Yeah, this is a only in movies are these serial killers like this detailed about know, right? specifics. Uh, it'd be so much easier to make a skin suit, dude. Come on. <laughs> oh, is she a great big fan? Right? <laughs> like, does she like snow? <laughs> what, what does she think about ice? <laughs> She, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She had coffee beans for her mouth, right? <laughs> kind of a big fat girl. Uh, just three giant rolls. Now I want to just hear a podcast of Buffalo Bill going over movies. <laughs> oh, yeah. She's a great big fat girl. <laughs> okay. Where the fuck are we in this movie? So <clears throat> we're at some swanky party of the type that are only in movies where it's the highest of high society there to mm-hmm. celebrate the announcement of the prospective World Cup winner game. 
They're not even at that point yet. They're still just it's the announcement celebrating, of the announcement, celebrating the fact that an announcement will be made soon. Is <laughs> it's just a thing to celebrate winter sports? Or there's actually people on like ice skates and like in full hockey regalia who are just like zipping around this like it's really... Tim Burton Batman level of <laughs> it a party. Seriously, is it's like. So, uh, but everybody's there. The chief of police is there, so Harry Holt can go talk to him. They're all there. And Katarine Bratt finds... This is the Winter Sports World Cup. Yeah. The big wigs are there, (laughs) Corky. We find out that the woman who was timid going approaching that house is there with some creepy, lecherous kind of bald guy. Right, yeah. There's just sort of an oblique shot earlier of the woman walking into an unknown house, and then... He turns out that he puts her up front, and J.K. Simmons is like, yeah, 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 while he's giving a speech. Katarina Bratt follows them. Yeah, she takes pictures. It's obvious that this this bald guy who we turn out, find out is an abortionist is procuring women for he's a our face stop. Yeah. yeah. They're both party dudes. Yeah. He's the Weinstein, essentially. That doctor, my favorite guy in the movie. Yeah, he was good. So Harry Hole takes off to Bergen for a a little bit. There's a Bergen connection. He takes it to Bergen. He's racing ahead of her and kind of chasing down this sort of backstory that. And then in the most convenient of plot twists, also on the train, is his ex's new husband, the happy doc. Yeah. Matthias is back. Matthias is back. Matthias. And, he, and he's just as helpful as ever. And we find out that Harry has forgot he was supposed to go to a sleepaway camp, a father-son camping trip. And sleepaway he, camp would have been great, though. <laughs> <laughs> he's supposed to go on a father-son camping trip, and he forgot about it to go chase you know, for, because of work again. And Matias actually like calls and covers for him. Right, lies says yeah, Harry. Calls actually... and covers and and is like, you know, oh no, Harry told me last night and I forgot to tell you. you know? Yeah, so it's not his fault; it's my fault. Yeah, I mean, he's like literally the one nice person. The one in the nice... entire pro- everyone else is like so sinister, oddly fixated on Harry. Whole super fixated on Harry. Like, why is it? I mean, oh geez, like fucking alarm bells. Just he's our manic pix- manic pixie dream doctor. <laughs> yeah, totally. He he's now in Bergen. Hole is now in Bergen investigating Rafto, who is Val Kilmer from Flashbacks. And we get the very graphic cut to a suicide scene of Val Kilmer's head getting blown off because that's we find out that that's how he died. Yeah, he shotgunned himself in in a cabin. Yeah, it's considered a suicide. Considered a suicide. But we see in a flashback again. Harry has a flashback that's not his. Yeah, somebody blew his head off. Again, a better movie would connect these dots in like a very like graceful sort of way, but it's sort of like there, but for the grace of God goes goes Harry Hole, right? Like right. to his miserable drinking cabin to be by himself and just basically die and kill himself. Um, but then we see, yeah, we see a flashback and Belcomer didn't kill himself. He was shot in the head and a snowman was placed on his empty skull. An em- on his empty skull. Because this shotgun takes the upper four-fifths like of whole, his... It's a weird CGI thing. It's where like you a see cannonball yeah. hit his head. It just lops off like in a very clean, like, there's no jagged edges. No, all. there's just, just a like, lower mandible, and that's yeah. it. Uh, Harry finds a, a little more information, and I don't know if it's here where you find it or if it's later that he reveals it, that Val Kilmer is Rebecca Ferguson's father. It, well, yeah. And she's been chasing after this the whole time as sort of a revenge for her father. And she thinks because her father was chasing Arby Stop, 
that Arve stop had him killed. So Brat is in back in their little investigate, which is so movie shitty. It's like in every CSI TV show, there's all this blue light and smoke. Yeah. In every movie where there's detectives, they're in this unique research laboratory where there there's three tables in the middle of this huge empty room surrounded by books that you have to get on a ladder to go up to the second deck <laughs> to get. And she answers Hole's phone. So it's a security company that he's hired to say, here's when this phone comes on. And his partner answers the phone, and he's, she's, you know, they ask for Harry Hole, and she's like, oh, he's not here, but you can just tell me. And they're <laughs> like, yeah, okay. <laughs> like, hey, Harry, I think you might want to go to the different uh, security firm next you time. Like, loose, loose lips security company. It's like, you know. Those, Sunken ship security. Like when, like, your your house alarm goes off and you get a call, for, you know. It's like, answer the call. Uh, what's the password? Oh, I don't know. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. You seem good. <laughs> What's the last four of your social? Don't know. Okay. Zero, whatever. It's cool. So she answers the call? She answers the call. Which the, is the, coming from? The phone has been reactivated. It's from the, the bald plastic surgeon's The abortion doctor's house. The abortion house. doctor's house. In the garage is the suicide that is just like her father's suicide yeah. stage, just like that. But in the freezer, there's every missing woman is chopped up and placed in there. All the missing pieces of like them wrapped up like they're meat or something yes. like that. And yeah. we're fine. And- but we find the two bodies in the garage that is staged to be sort of like a murder suicide. And then I think there's notes connecting the two of them like they were having an affair or something like that. Right. Uh, and so it's the doctor and it's the missing woman and holes at the scene and obviously knows something's up yeah but the chief is there and says oh i love movie cops where they're like oh case is closed case closed everything baby. we have it's like forensics nope nope 10 minutes after i found it i know it's so obvious boom done. and then he also exposits that for some reason brat got suspended this she, she, up and coming great detective yeah so she's been suspended because she was sort of overstepping her bounds so hole goes and visits her is laying on top of her in a very weird scene, and we find out that he acknowledges, "Yes, I'm a drunk like your father." Yeah, and she says, "You know, it wasn't a suicide." Yeah, and this is like, also where he gets the "You can't force the pieces to fit" line, which is so apt for this movie, which is all these pieces that do not fit in any way, shape, or form, because she's still saying, "No, it was Arve. It was Arve. This is you know, this is just a cover up for the real thing, which is Arve. He was going after my father." Then there's this really quick shot of uh, his ex answering the phone call from Dr. Matthias and saying Holes X shows up at his house. She takes her jacket off and a signal of uh, we're going to fuck. Yeah. And gets on top, grinds him for a second, and then goes and answers the phone. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's her boyfriend, Dr. Matthias, Mm -hmm. who uh, surmises she's at Holes' house. Probably things aren't going to go well for their relationship. Yeah. She feels bad, goes into the bathroom, sees that. Dr. Feelgood has prescribed some pills for Harry yeah. and gets mad storms out. Like, that was the breaking point for her. That was it. was like he prescribed him some medicine that he desperately needed. There <laughs> <laughs> was a positive infact, impact in your life, Harry? He fixed my dialysis machine. <laughs> my fucking kidneys don't work without it. I'll die. Ah, too close. Too close, Harry. Well, while, also, while this scene is going on, in, in one of the many examples of cross-cutting that is so clumsy and cluttered and just crushes the pace of the movie. They're cutting while this kind of weird seduction, non-seduction scene, worst chapter of Nymphomaniac ever is happening. Rebecca Ferguson, Bert, uh, Bert, <laughs> I forgot her name. Catherine Bratt. Catherine Bratt. 
she is pursuing Arve at the the announcement event. We're finally at the announcement of yes. who's going to win the Winter Sports World Cup for the 15th annual Winter Sports World Cup. Will it be Oslo? Uh, and she's pursuing him and sort of dresses up very sexy and then kind of like comes on to him. And she, he's like, okay, well, you know, let's let's do that. He has somebody come up afterwards and say he really liked your conversation. Let's, you know, here's his room key. And he'd like to meet you after the announcement for sex. Get it? <laughs> so that this is happening too, and she gets the room key. I mean, not like not even like come up, but like give go, here, take the key. Yeah, here's a, to, here's the key like, to his room. I'm like the most important man in Norway, but like you know, hey stranger, here's Mikasa the key to his room. <laughs> I know he's just got like keys floating around. So she gets the key to his room, and she comes in with her big detective box, and Ooh. she sets up some surveillance, Ooh. and she's setting up the room, and seemingly it's like, okay, I'm finally gonna nail. She's stashing a gun behind the pillows, who is, who is so obviously the killer. But boom, what happens? The actual killer attacks her, and does she get her head cut off? No, just one finger. He kills her, cuts off her finger. Does not kill her. Doesn't kill her. No, 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 no. Okay. She's disposed of by the movie, but not. she does not actually die. He just takes the finger. You think he's going to get her because he gets the drugs into her neck. He only takes off the finger so that he can log into the detective box. Remember fingers? Remember fingers from earlier when we were talking about fingers on the detective box? So he logs in and just deletes all of the information related to the case because, of course, it's all synced up into one place. She's left outside of Harry's apartment in a car with a snowman drawn on the top. And she's in there. She's lost her finger, and she's beat up pretty bad, but she's still alive. Are you sure? Oh, yeah. I swore she was dead. No. No, no, no. Just took the finger. How do you know that she's still alive? I'm pretty sure that she's... They talk about it. We're going to bet some coffee beans on this. Oh, I will bet all the coffee beans on this. I swear she's dead. No, she's not dead. He only takes the finger. Because, I mean, as we'll find out... Okay, so it wasn't Arve. So it's not Arve. Not Arve. Oh, who could it be? Could it be the one nice guy in the whole movie? Yeah, it, it has turns to out be. It's Matthias. And it's Matthias because what his whole thing is mothers of illegitimate children, right? That's like that's his killer motive. Yeah. Right. And Bad Rebecca moms. Ferguson does not fit the bill. Yeah. So you've got Chloe Sevigny who had an abortion. You find out the what the thing that really tips him is that he goes back to visit the husband of the missing woman who is now found dead. And he mentions that the daughter is not his. Yeah. Right? And it's a tip off. Oh, that's this thing about Which in fathering scene, illegitimate children and then killing the mother. In that scene, they still try to paint him as creepy enough to be the murderer. And they still know, try right? to do a scare cut with the daughter banging on the window. Like, she's the killer or something. It's so bad. But yeah, there was no reason. He didn't kill her. There was no reason for him to kill her. her she was not his M.O. You know what I mean? As it turns out, all of the shit. Involving Arve, Rebecca Ferguson, J.K. Simmons, Val Kilmer, Rafto. Rebecca Ferguson, Winter Sports World Games, nothing. all that shit. Total red herring does not mean anything. Has it's nothing. just Matthias. So now, yeah, now we know it's Matthias. His ringtone is Hall of the Mountain King. <laughs> it's a callback to M, a Fritz Lang movie yeah, from 1931. Yeah, someone hunting children. Yeah, where yeah. Peter Lorre whistles. Killer. Yeah. I'm like, movie, you can't. Don't you don't get to be clever no, at this don't point. Do that. Don't do it's that. bullshit. <laughs> no, right? That was like something from Scorsese's. He kidnaps Raquel, he kidnaps yeah. her son. I mean, is he also because again he has a whole thing about cuz Oleg their son the Charlie Gainsbourg and, and Michael Fassbender's son is adopted. So he's not, you know, he's not really the father. He's raising a child who is who is not his own. So I don't know, was he also kind of going after her a little bit? Nothing like nothing ties in Literally, but it also doesn't tie in thematically. So it's completely just like this arm that doesn't like it's a wasted appendage. You know, right. it's a it's a fucking tail. 
It, it, it's a vestigial tail. It's on a this fourth movie. nipple. It's a fourth nipple. Not yeah. even a third. It's a fourth. <laughs> it's a, but a fourth nipple that covers most of the body on the back of your knee. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> your whole half of your body is nipple. It's just fourth nipple. It's that. It's like that pointless. You know what I mean? Like that. We're back at the shack that we started in, and it's right back to the beginning. It's back. It's serial killer movie one hundred and one. Yeah. There's the scene of him. I'm going to reveal everything and torture people in a very intriguing way. Well, we way. get the shot that's been in every serial killer since Silence of the Lambs, which is the detective walking through the, the halls of the dark house with his gun drawn, sort of walking through that house, the labyrinthine house. He walks up behind the killer with his gun drawn and doesn't just pop him in the head. Doesn't do anything. Nothing. Yeah. It has to be, I have to have this moment of Sitting down wits. and getting a message. I and, sit yeah. down, give up my gun. Two in the back of his head, he's like, done. Pop, 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 boom, done. I mean, you're hairy goddamn hole. <laughs> you are hairy fucking <laughs> you're hole. You're hairy hole. You know, we don't even need to go through it. It's just like it's the matching wits with the killer. Yeah, so we're all coming back. It's uh, He's quizzing Harry on things. and like he's he was quizzed. He's, uh, right? In case you missed it, there's even a flash cut Super back to, cold, the, yeah. to the beginning. And he's going to punish. She's going to cut off her head if Harry doesn't give him the answers that he wants. They're all kind of sitting around the dinner table in the exact same way. And when Harry gives him really honest, introspective yeah, answers. finally, when he admits his shit, you know, and says, I'm a drunk, I'm a bad father, you know, and all this kind of stuff. Then the killer is sort of let down a little bit. Then something happens that does not make any kind of sense within, like, the sort of, like, spatial logistical... Like, like physics of the yeah, world? Yeah, no, there's no physics thing. So the killer has this, like, loop... Which is tied to his little gun, which, like, if he presses the button, will just, like, slice her, will tighten the ripper jugular noose at and least. just slice her head right off. Yeah. There's no logical understanding for how everyone gets to where they are from where the, the noose around her neck tight to all of a sudden it's off of her neck and yeah. they're all, like, flying in midair and Harry somehow gets his finger cut off. And then the, the killer runs away. The, t- the, the killer runs away, yeah. runs out of the place. Harry missing half his finger, make sure everybody's okay, and she spits out, kill him, go kill him. (laughs) go kill him. Harry goes, runs out on the ice, and he's out in the open, and then we hear, cow, gunshot, he falls. Yeah. The killer had a fucking gun on him the whole time. The whole time. Why didn't he just kill everybody in that room? Why run at all? Why run at all? I was like, Harry put his gun down. Yeah. So Harry's laying out on the ice, uh, dying. And the killer walks up slowly on him. And still Harry, asking questions, still doing the cat and mouse. Harry's doing, like, you know, still explaining why he's going to be a better father to Oleg. Finally says, you're wrong, mad at the wrong person. You didn't yeah. have a bad mom. Yeah. Should have been a, mad at your mom. Should have been mad at your dad, you a, bro. Whoa. This, like, kind of stuns the killer to the point that he wanders onto some thin ice and falls right through the it, ice. The doctor fills him the fuck out. <laughs> he's just like... <laughs> I, yeah, he like he steps in the ice hole it. of convenience. Yes, and wanders right into an ice hole, drowns, and then Harry kind of runs back and checks. This is like the most abrupt ending ever, right? So it's he just, just runs back. He runs back to the cabin. He opens the door and he sees that Charlotte's Gainsbourg and his adopted son are okay. And you see, he has a sigh of relief. Then it just cuts to back at the police station. The chief is <laughs> describing a new case. He's describing, you know, the the particulars of the case. You see Harry there. He's playing with his half of a finger, which is a metal prosthetic now. And drinking he says, coffee, not drinking alcohol. Drinking coffee and says, I'll take the case. And that's the end of the movie. Like, he's back, folks. Right. But like. Was he gone? Wait. What happened? What What about the part where everything and everyone 
<laughs> like what? I still I'm telling you that Rebecca Ferguson is alive. He the killer even says I didn't think you'd find me. You yeah. left fucking clues for him the whole movie. <laughs> you were long. baiting him with clues. You were like, I gave you all the clues. That's what one thing is. He says I gave you all the clues, and it's like, well then don't get pissed off when I solve the damn murder. Don't asshole. Say I didn't think you'd find me. God, I mean Ugh. it's bad enough to be like a, a head chopping serial killer, but to be kind of a dick about it. <laughs> to be really pissy about he, it like kind of pompous yeah you know what i mean like he thought he was better than me but he's but like you know i spent money on these coffee beans this is good coffee. <laughs> he's like he did he just got some freeze-dried folgers crystal you went out and got some goddamn gourmet shit uh so we'll give our ratings now as uh as usual the dare is for your your basic you know run-of-the-mill bad film a double dare is for something that takes it to the next level and is truly atrocious and the reverse dare is for a movie that is actually secretly good I'm going to go double dare on this one. Uh, This is, I mean, I've seen a lot of kind of perfunctory serial killer movies in my day. What this movie has uh, that others don't is exactly what it doesn't have, which is 10 to 15% of the script shot. And (laughs) therefore, it really does not make sense. I mean, it's, and again, it's not as though I feel like stuff got cut out of the movie, but I feel as though like just simple scenes don't cut together well. I'm going to give it a double dare. I got to agree. It's a double dare. It's just stay away. There's nothing this movie does. And it's, you think Michael Fassbender, like, okay, well, he'll at least be good, right? Yeah. Because he's a really good actor. Like, he seems super bored. I mean, I know he's playing, like, a depressed detective, like, a depressed alcoholic and stuff, but it is a really lifeless, passionless, uninteresting performance by an actor who I thought was, like, possibly incapable of that. Right. One of my favorites. He's, like, a Michael Shannon type. He's, he's just, always he's strong. always watchable. Always strong. Even in really bad movies, he's strong. And this, like, he he just is... It fades into the background. There's nothing this movie does that you haven't seen or that will be rewarding or that you will be entertaining. Just don't watch it. Yeah. That's all we have for you on this episode of Dare Daniel. But we'll be back next week with a review of Guy Ritchie's franchise non-starter, King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. The first and last entry in what was intended to be a six-film series. In the meantime, send your most sadistic movie dares to us at daredaniel.com. And be sure to follow Dare Daniel on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Like and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or anywhere podcasts are found. You can read more of my movie reviews in the Sacramento News and Review and at newsreview.com. And you can read my craft beer column in the Sacramento Bee and at sacbee.com. Corky, where can listeners, if at the end of the day, they want to pour themselves a tall, cool glass <laughs> of Corky McDonald? Where and how and why (laughs) could they do that? And why would they do that? Well, you're going to saddle on up to the bar at the Sacramento Comedy Spot. Pour yourself a tall glass of Corky. Why? Because you fucking love comedy. Are you even potable? Are you a potent potable? I'm a potent, yeah, like Jeopardy. Anyway, for Dare Daniel, I'm Daniel Barnes. And I'm Corky McDonald saying good night and good snow.